Today, we're going to talk about car seats and a two-year-old baby girl that was paralyzed because of a faulty car seat. can be a difficult trail to navigate. There are cases that change precedents and there are cases that change America. Some you know and some you don't. Join Brian Cruz and Becky Granado of Cruz and Pascara as they dive into the most notorious cases in America and the ones you may not have heard of. This is Behind the Gavel. Today we're going to talk about car seats and a two-year-old baby girl that was paralyzed because of a faulty car seat. Welcome back to Behind the Gavel. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Brian Cruz from Cruz and Pascara. I'm Rebecca Granado from Cruz and Pascara. Today we're going to tell our listeners about our case against a well-known car seat manufacturer because of confidentiality. We, of course, can't identify it and because we're dealing with a two-year-old, we'll keep her name, her last name, um, out of this. So, Becky, um, this was a really fascinating case uh, that you and I worked on together and uh, involving just, you know, such an emotional case. Uh, you have your child and the child's in a car seat and you think your child is safe and then you get involved in that accident and the child is uh, severely injured. You know, what, what do the parents do? And, you know, they came to us and said, you know, what can you do for us? You know, how could this happen? Um, and we started from there with our investigation and Becky was instrumental in the case and going forward with the investigation and trying to put it together. Uh, it was very complicated, uh, product liability case. So what actually happened? Well, they were traveling in South Orlando. Um, The vehicle, the child, they had done everything a parent could do. They had gotten a car seat. The child was strapped into the car seat properly. The car seat was in the car properly. And they're driving along and they get T-boned. Someone ran a red light and hit them. The car seat with the child was ejected from the vehicle. The child lived, but due to the placement of the clip, the child was paralyzed. Mm. So it's very, very terrible for the child. Yeah, and you know what what is really fascinating about this is uh, you think about the evolution of products and the safety and how actually how lawsuits can make uh, a product safer, and that's exactly what happened here. This case was unique at the time. Uh, because the car seat buckle and the child was in the buckle had straps and the straps would go through the buckle, but the buckle was flexible enough so that, and it would slide up and down. So you could put it down low near the child's abdomen, or you could put it up around the child's chest. In this case, the accident reconstructionist and the dynamics showed that the strap came 
it caused the buckle to go down and then the strap came off. And so the child, then her shoulders came through those straps and actually the bottom strap stayed in place, but the other one did not. So it bent her in two. So you, when you mean bottom strap, you mean the one that's like around the legs anchored to the, or yes, around the legs. Yes. That's a really good point. So when you know, you put your child in, the car seats, remember they had straps that go over the legs and then the straps would, now they have a, a different connection and they, uh, they clip and, and then the straps would go over your shoulder. So it's almost like a five point harness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's actually a four pointer, but four. I guess, I guess you could call it a five point. Okay. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, being strapped in as a race car driver. It's, um, same concept, but you're also in the, the child seat. So the defect in this was they didn't test it enough to, to know and to understand and appreciate that the, the buckle itself would slide up and down with the child. And then, you know, children are flexible. Their bodies are at that age. Uh, so instead of staying up on the chest, it would slide down and ultimately it just came, came out. Mm. Even though it was connected still, uh, so that the shoulders went forward, and imagine taking the body and and basically just folding it in half. So that's what happened to this child. Oh my God, that was horrible. Child seat safety has been a big topic over the years. Um, good good thing to say is that they have improved. Car seats have improved. How you put them in has has improved. However, there are still issues that I think the general public. <coughs> doesn't know um there is the other part of this case the defense in this case was they bought the car seat or the car seat came from like happens a lot some a member of the family had a handed baby they them. handed it down to them so there's an expiration date on car seats if you turn them over it's very small but there will be a date that says do not use after three years five years whatever it may be because the plastic starts to give these are things I don't think at the time the general public knew. Now, today, when you go in and buy a car seat, what's on there? Warning labels. Mm. So many warning labels. But do people read them? I don't know. I hope so. Because we fought for years to get those labels on, on there for people to understand. Yes, you can use a car seat for more than one child, but it needs to be within the prescribed five years. Yeah. This, this is actually something that I'm actually – pretty knowledgeable about. I don't know if you guys knew this, but I was actually a child passenger safety certified technician. Uh, Yeah. So I would actually, I would actually teach the, the, the brand new parents before they would leave the hospital, I would come to their rooms and actually show them how to use their car seat correctly because (laughs) we've seen so many times how awful it would look, you know, like sometimes it'd be like, it'd be better if they just laid on a seat. (laughs) <laughs> you know, right, so, right. And so one of our actual uh, certification courses was learning about the expiration dates, why the plastic deteriorated over time. And uh, I'm sure back when we were younger and when you guys were younger, those those warnings weren't around. That's right. No. right? That's right. Did we even ride in a car seat? <laughs> That's what I was going to ask you, Brian. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I hate to admit this. I'm going to throw down on my mother who, you know, I love dearly and she's departed from this world. But you know, when I was a child growing up, I used to stand next to her in the front seat of her 
Ford Fairlane, oh and she'd drive to the grocery store. I mean, everybody did. You, you, everybody did. I'm, I rode with my mother and my <coughs> sister, who was nine years younger. She would stand up in the car seat in the front beside us. So and no one said anything. No, it was or, nothing. Remember was nothing. when we were kids and you would lay in the back window? Yes, the I station mean, wagon. Yeah, he just—it's it, crazy. What, yeah. And we all survived, but some people didn't. Oh, now if you did it, uh, you know, people would look at you like you're a horrible parent if you let your child. Which do they that. should. Which they, <laughs> they should. should. They should. We have a lot more knowledge today, and yeah, that, that's, that's true. One of the things when you look back at your career and you look back at the cases that you've done and the people you've tried to help. This, this always stands out to me as something that the trial lawyers of America, not just us, but everyone else who's been involved, I think on the whole educated the public and made car seats safer for children. Absolutely. That's what happened, Becky. That's a, such a good point. I'm glad you made that um, because people don't realize without the trial lawyers and their voice and their voices for you, the consumer, uh, nobody else would step up and step into that situation and try to, you know, help you get compensated and try to make a difference in the, in the way the manufacturer does the job that they do. Right. So, well, as we say around here, no one likes a lawyer till they actually need one. Oh. And yeah. I understand that. But part of our legacy is, is and the things that we look back on are the things that we had a small part in playing to make this safer for the next generation. Wow. So, so I will say, um, when we handled the case, uh, we ultimately settled it. There were several other cases throughout the country. And again, I'm part of an organization so that I can reach out and, and get information about what's going on in other areas of the country. And that's what we did in this case as well. And so that, that we were able to prove that uh, this wasn't just an isolated incident. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's important to a lot of jurors. It, um, that if you have multiple incidents happening, then that means there is a defect. Pattern, there's, yeah. There's a pattern going on, and it's much easier for them to understand, and we understand that too. Um, so that's what, what we always try to do is find out what we call OSIs, other similar incidents of a substantial nature uh, that are substantially similar, to put some legal mumbo-jumbo on it. That way you're looking at, okay, there's been five other cases. Happened the same way. Same thing happened. It can't, these can't all be a fluke. Or there's a hundred other cases. I mean, you can you can see how it could add up. Wow. So, so when you get, so, I'm sorry. Go ahead. So when you say earlier, you said lawsuits make products safer. Yes. Right? Um, this, this is just an, an opinion question. When manufacturers make these products, do they not do, uh, quality control testings on different scenarios like that, or or do so, do some of them just say let's just push it out? Like, because that's got something like that has got to be. I mean, just in my mind, I'm like, hey, that's a, a a a clip sliding down to the stomach. That's that seems pretty obvious, right? <laughs> to me, <laughs> they would right. something that they would fix. You, well, you know, if you look back and the ideas sound. It sounded good it's at the time, right? It's just <laughs> it, at the time it sounded right. Yeah. And then, you know, with real world use versus testing, that's what we usually talk about. Well, in the real world, when you use this product, this is what really happens. And they didn't take the time to test it enough or didn't pay attention closely enough or in some instances they even ignore their own testing. Mm. Um and put the product out anyway. So 
Well, that goes back to, I'm sure if anybody's ever watched the movie Class Action, where they do a risk analysis, there's a failure in, let's say, five car seats out of five million. So do they stop manufacturing? Do they change it for those five? Or do they just assess the risk, put the money aside and say, well, if this happens, we'll just pay those five? Wow. it's It's been proven that the companies do that? Yeah, that's been proven to those other industries, uh, manufacturers, and in many different circumstances where they've done that. You're blowing my mind right now. Oh, no. It's true, but I'm going to say it the other way, too. There have been some things in our career where people have realized that they did something was engineered wrong and they fixed it because of our lawsuit. So not all companies do that, but yes, it does happen. Wow. So in that situation where you said the, the buckle came down, and the strap that goes over through the, the front clips. In that situation, did it actually fold the baby up, like literally, like in the like that? Yes, they felt folded her up like you take a piece of paper. Oh my gosh! And you you basically fold it in two, and basically her chest and ab chest was down on her knees. Wow! Because one of the, one of the things that I remember in my training is that. After all cars made after 2002 had to have those anchors, the steel or metal metal anchors in the seat. Right. So you didn't, so you wouldn't have to use that strap along the base of the actual car seat. So I'm, I'm wondering if that was, if that had something to, to play in that. Cause I'm guessing if the, if Talk the, about the little like clips that click into mm-hmm. the yeah. metal. So, yeah, so every car every seat. car after 2002 now has those metal bars. Correct. Yeah. But then there can be a car like mine where I can't get those. Oh, no. I can't. They're there, but you can't make it stay. So I don't know if that's my car oh. or the car seat. So we still have some problems. I got you. But I would say that it's much safer now than it was even 10 years ago. Yeah. But she suffered... Um, when she bent over, she suffered a spinal cord injury at the thoracic or the mid-back, which caused her to be paralyzed at age two. Man, that's terrible. From the mid-back yeah. down. Let me tell you the good news, though. There is there is some good news. We were able to resolve the case. And again, uh, the parents were fantastic. And what they did is they set up a trust for the child as well as uh, – uh, a settlement fund and and uh, through the trust they actually added on a separate room for the child to have to their home so that they could have everything the child needed in there for rehab and exercise and to, to ha- try to have a normal as normal life as the child could have being paralyzed from the basically a thoracic or the mid back basically loss of use of the legs yeah so they, you know, widened the doors. They, with the money, they, you know, smoothed out all the areas so the wheelchair could roll around throughout the house uh, over time. So they looked ahead and uh, made a plan for this child. And the good news is, I spoke to them several years ago, and the child's still doing well, and uh, and they they're going on with their life. And uh, we were able to help them and help them go forward. Uh, and they have hope because they have the money to take care of the child. Wow. So when you guys get a, get a case like that, what is what is the first thing that you look at, Brian? When you get this case on your desk, what's the first thing you even like look for? Well, I'm going to sound cold, but how injured is the person? Does it warrant 
the money and the time and the effort and the fight that we know that's going to come with it. And uh, then the second thing we look at is, you know, how did it happen and can we prove it? And what? And the third thing we look at it is what evidence do we need to prove it? Next thing is what experts are we going to need? You know, we're going to need an accident reconstruction. We're going to need a design engineer. We're going to need a biomechanical, which is a person that evaluates the way your body works during a crash phase. Uh, are we going to need a life care neurosurgeon or a, a neurologist, a trained person to do a life care plan for this type of injuries from the young child? So it would be like a pediatric person initially. And then, you know, projecting out the child's life expectancy is uh, not – shortened so you know you got to look at being able to take care of that child uh, at least up through age 18 21 and and then you know the child will likely live based upon the uh, mortality tables to late 70s yeah you know early 80s i mean so you know it can be um, staggering the amount of money it takes to take care of a child injured like that but these are great parents, and I'm I was so privileged and so proud to represent them. Uh, and they did everything right in putting the child in the car seat. They did everything right in taking uh, the resolution and putting the money to work in the right way. And it it just that, that's the kind of case that that's the silver lining for us, uh, I guess, as lawyers, and is to see that what we did made a difference, and the people are using the money in the right way. You know. Yeah. So when you when you actually guys decide to um, take on a case, because you said this case was settled, right? So right before trial. So what would dictate a trial instead of a settlement? Well, in this case, we also did a focus group, which I think we've talked about in prior episodes. We will take um, a room and do both the plaintiff and the defense with an impartial jury, mock jury. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. We'll, we hire people. We do. We literally put a trial on in our office or at a, a facility. It also gives us a way to see what are the holes in our case, what is good about our case. The other thing that it does is let the plaintiff or let our client see from an outside source what the general public would think of their case. Because okay. we might work on something for three years, but we only have two weeks to teach it to six people on a jury. Gotcha. So these focus groups aid us in determining where we're going with the case. We would have tried this case, but the defense also does focus groups, so they thought it wise to go ahead and pay us because most of the time they don't want to see a child in, in a courtroom. Yeah. However, we had some holes in ours. The parents did not have their seatbelts on. So the defense was arguing basically, well, if the parents don't put their seatbelts on, how do we know they put the child in the car seat correctly? Okay. It's small things like that. You don't want to think you ever did anything wrong as a parent, but the other side is going to point out every detail that they can. So that's usually, we usually get up to that point and both sides come to an agreement. Gotcha. Sometimes they don't. This was really interesting, uh, the focus groups we did, because we went over to Tampa and did it in three different rooms with three different focus groups and listened 
then to their responses. And uh, it was it's amazing. You know, as lawyers, we think we know what we want to prove and why, but sometimes people look at things differently than lawyers do. In fact, we always say if it's not what I think, it's what that jury thinks or what an average juror would think about you know the issue or the facts. So that's, uh, that's something I don't think uh, a lot of people probably know a lot about, but it is really fascinating. I mean, in business, they've been doing it for years. I mean, what do you think? Mm-hmm. You get all the slogans from McDonald's or the various types of... Focus groups. Yeah, it's all from focus groups. Yeah. So the lawyers are a little slower. You know, they didn't start doing them till a lot later. But we've been doing them now for years. Um, there's not a lot of guys that do as many as we do. So, wow, that's interesting. I, I, I had no idea. That's what, one of the reasons why you can decide whether or not to to go to trial. And uh, well, it helps your client understand. See, it's an educational process. Those jurors are are focus groups. Potential jurors are educating you as the lawyer, but they're also educating your client. Listen, you think you think this and you think that because let's let's be real. Um, they've got a child that's paralyzed. They don't want to have in their mind anybody telling them they were at fault in any way, or you know having to deal with that emotional burden. But if a focus group's telling them that, I've I've sat there and watched. Uh, videos with my clients and when the focus group tells them things and they they are critical I guess is the best way to describe it of something the parents did I mean you can sit in there and watch them they start tearing up and crying and and it's easier for us to then explain look this is an issue in your case we need to you know move on with it we'll try to minimize it but Again, that's something I need you to keep in the back of your mind because it's going to come up if we end up going to trial. Wow. Well, this one actually had a, a happy ending. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We yeah. did, and I always find this these to be educational. And if I can tell the, our, the public anything, it's be careful with your car seats. You know that. Yes. And Buy you, a new one. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Exactly, Becky. That is Buy a new one. Um, also, make sure that the um, there is a age slash weight threshold for car seats. Yes. Because um, a lot of them are front facing, a lot of them are rear facing. But now a lot of them they call them convertible style, which mm-hmm. means that they're both. Um, so just make sure if you do have one of those convertible styles that you're using the right side, the correct side. And uh, if you are unfamiliar with whether or not you're using it correctly, fire stations will teach you, hospitals will teach you as well, and there's no cost to that. Right. I have a two-year-old grandson that we just switched the car to be the seat to be front-facing as opposed to back-facing due to his height and weight. Yeah. So you're right. And I had to pull into the fire station. That's why I knew my <laughs> little me. clips weren't working <laughs> uh, on my car. But uh, it's it's very interesting because I haven't put a car seat in in a long time. <laughs> That's funny. But um, you know, again, that is funny. <laughs> it, again, yeah. It's, when you're wrestling with a two-year-old at my age, um, again. These are the things that we want to look back on and, and think that we made a good good change to what happens in the production of these car seats. Um, all trial lawyers did. So when people look at us and say, oh, why do I need a lawyer? Well, this might be a good mm-hmm. example. example of why you do. Um, and this little girl will never know what it is to walk. And um, 
I mean, do you realize, you know, she's paralyzed at such a young age that she would never know what it felt like to run, walk, play in the swing set. So it's very sad. But she had great parents, and we know that we have great confidence that they took care of her. That's good. That's good, guys. And I'm I'm, I'm happy that something like, unfortunate, that that happened, but good has come out of it with manufacturers changing their products and making them safer for the general general public. And th- so this was considered a product liability case, right? Yes. Yes. Okay. Wow, man. Well guys, I, I think that was, I think that's good. I think that was it. I mean, we learned a lot today. I'm, I'm taking so many notes, so many mental notes here. I'm uh, I think I can go to law school now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to come to you for all the, all the, um, Wait, car, seat, car seat questions, I got you. Yeah, you got you. You'd be our new expert. That's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. So Thankfully, guys, yeah. I think car seats on the whole have, have improved oh, yeah. greatly. Uh, we don't see as many cases as we used to, but unfortunately, it still happens. So. Yeah. Yeah. Buy one of those ones that look like an egg now. Have you seen those? Yeah, I have. <laughs> yeah. That's one you have, right? That's it? You have an egg one? No, I don't, but I've seen it. <laughs> okay, guys. Well, hey, thank you so much for tuning in. You know, stick around. We got a preview for the next episode of Behind the Gavel. But until then, if you have any legal questions or if you just want to talk to Brian or Becky, you know, call 407-841-0200 or go to the website, cruisingpescara.com. We will follow see us you on Facebook. Time. Yes, follow us on Facebook at Behind the Gavel or or Brian W. Cruz. We even have a TikTok account. Wait, now. no, no, you, no, you yes, don't. We do. <laughs> yes, we do. Yes, we do. Just look up BrianCruz.com, too. I have to see that. B-R-Y-A-N-C-R-E-W-S.com. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Take care. Bye, Phil. Bye, Thank you for listening to Behind the Gavel. Join the discussion on social media at Behind the Gavel. Again, that's behind the gavel, all one word. Tune in after the break for a preview of the next episode of Behind the Gavel. Hi, this is Brian Cruz of Cruz and Pastero. If you're in an automobile accident and you're injured, listen up. First, go to the hospital. Next, call your lawyer. Why? Because you need advice. Call Cruz and Pascara, your I-4 lawyer, 407-841-0200. 407-841-0200. Cruz and Pascara, your I-4 lawyer. Lies after lies after lies. Keep listening to find out how our investigation led to the truth about a severe dump truck accident that severely injured our client. Paul was a passenger in a vehicle at work. He was in a van with a lot of tools and such in the back of the van, and he and his partner were headed towards their job site when they were struck by a dump truck. 